Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Izzy Talks podcast. Today we begin a journey through the history of the English language. And in today's episode, our journey begins in 55 BC, when the Roman Empire ruled the British Isles. Our journey today ends in the 11th century, right before the Norman invasions. Stay tuned for more episodes and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in. Our journey through the history of the English language begins in an island in the north of Europe. A small country which was to be named in the 10th century as the Kingdom of England, this small country has instituted its language in over 55 sovereign states around the world. And believe it or not, there are now approximately 1.5 billion people who speak English either as a native language or as a second language. And that is a considerable contrast to the number of speakers from its shy and turbulent early years. Nowadays, the English language is surely a worldwide wonder. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, it might be because you really enjoy it or because you have to learn English. You know, English is easily recognisable even to a non-speaker. What I mean is that people around the world who don't speak English, I'm sure that most of them can easily recognise one or two words in English, because English is everywhere. The influence English has goes as far as to infiltrate even the most exotic and rare languages and cultures around the world. You have words like apple and, and the internet and um, hot dog. English is everywhere. There is simply no escaping the use of English in day-to-day -day life all around the world. It is a dominant language. However, English hasn't always been the dominant language it is today. And in actual fact, in most of its existence as a distinct language, it was disregarded. It was looked down upon as a language for the lower, uneducated classes of society. The English language was feeble. It was weak and insignificant. And along its history, and uh, especially in its early years, it was widely influenced by so many other languages because of the invasions that it's a true miracle that the English language has survived for so long. It's a true miracle that the English language has reached the four corners of the world as it has. Now, its history, however, is embedded in violence, in death and invasions. But also, the history of the English language is embedded in an overwhelming perseverance. It is embedded in a capacity to reinvent itself and to absorb without losing its essence. The English language stood the test of time, and it slowly but effectively made its way to the topmost spoken language 
in the world. So the history of the English language is truly fascinating because long before the vast low-lying landscapes of Great Britain and those misty green cliffs, much before that those, those places had ever heard of the English language, the Roman Empire ruled the island. Mainly the southern part, which is now England. But the Roman Empire ruled the island. And since the Roman invasion in 55 BC, Latin was the official language spoken by all the men in power, by the officials and by the Roman settlers, which included farmers and, and the families they, they had brought with them. Now, this Roman rule lasted for over five centuries, and that is a long time. The Romans shared the land with the native Celts. Now, you might ask yourself, well, who are the Celts? Well, the Celts are the people who had inhabited the island prior to the Roman invasions. Although the Romans didn't mix with the natives, the Celts, Latin naturally infiltrated the local Celtic languages and it established part of the foundations of what was later to become the beginning of the English language. But it wasn't English yet because English didn't exist yet. There wasn't even a glimpse of what English would become. And in actual fact, English would only start to take shape many centuries later. Now, Latin still accounts for 29% of the modern English language. But it wasn't until the Norman invasions, much later in the 11th century, that Latin really infiltrated what was by then already considered to be English. So by this point in time, in the Roman, uh, in the Roman rule of the island, Latin didn't directly influence the English language. Now, why did the Romans leave Britain? Well, some sources say that Britain wasn't profitable for the Roman Empire. Because for the Romans, wine and olive oil were the central item of trade. Their whole society was structure, structured around trade. And the lands of Britain just weren't the best for producing such commodities. It is actually said that the Romans started leaving Britain gradually as the empire weakened and declined. The Roman families, remember the Roman settlers I talked about? Well, the Roman families and, and settlers and farmers who had established a home in, in, in Britain, well, they were the first to flee and look for better places to live. And only Roman officials stayed until the complete eradication of the empire. This slow economic decline of the Roman Empire started around the first century, and it had its final end in the fifth century. And that was when the Roman Empire effectively left Britain. And it was at this point that Latin stopped being heard around the land. After the withdrawal of the Romans, um, the southern part of England, 
of the southern part of Britain, which had very fertile ground and natural riches, well, it became an invitation for settlers coming in from the continent, specifically from what is now Germany and Denmark. Now, these new settlers, they were the tribes of the Angles and the Saxons and the Jutes. I'm sure you, you've heard of them before. Now, these tribes, these Germanic tribes, they didn't structure their society on trade like the Romans, but rather on farming. And they farmed for their own kind. So they were farming for their own families. Therefore, they weren't concerned about producing olive oil or wine. They just didn't care about that kind of stuff. Britain was perfect for them. According to, to some sources, the Saxon warriors who came to settle in England, they were actually invited to help keep out invaders from Scotland and Ireland who, um, after the Romans left, they, they had an eye on the previously Roman-occupied lands. It was fertile ground. Now, uh, some other sources say that another reason for, for coming may have been because their homeland often flooded and it was difficult for them to grow crops. So they were looking for new places to settle down and farm. And all of this happened after the Romans had left Britain. And this was around the 5th century. So the 5th century is a period referred to as the Germanic invasions. These Anglo-Saxon tribes who had settled in southern Britain in that period, they brought with them their customs. They brought their traditions, and most importantly, they brought their Germanic languages. Now, the Celts, remember them? They had inhabited the area before the Roman invasion, and they, they shared the land with the Romans. Well, the Celts were still there, but they were, they were slowly pushed away from southern Britain because there were new settlers in the area now the Anglo-Saxon tribes. So they were pushed away from southern Britain and possibly because the native Celts either became slaves or they had to face a fatal end. So there, there's actually archaeological evidence to support this theory. Okay, so what, whatever choice they made, they would have to submit themselves and acknowledge the Anglo-Saxon control of the land. They could either become slaves or they could die. What would you choose? Now, for specialists who date archaeological findings, they have discovered that the Celtic burial grounds progressively became less common in the south of Britain. And they became more common towards the far north of what is now Scotland and the far west into Wales. And this fact indicates the absolute control of the Germanic tribes in South Britain. The Celts were being pushed away. The Anglo-Saxons had come to stay and they never left. And still today, the modern English language is 26% uh, Germanic because of this influence from the Anglo-Saxon tribes. So when you look at words like um, 
water and the verb to be and strong and words like that, well, they have all derived from that period. So the dialects and languages that came with the Anglo-Saxon tribes, they, they merged, they came together. And these languages and dialects, they, they formed the non-static Old English. And Old English was the first form of English which was spoken in England, in Britain, for 700 years, up until the 11th century. Now, Old English was the first language officially considered to be the foundations of the modern English language. And that is why modern English is still considered to be the, a Germanic language. Even though it, it, it has been influenced by so many other languages throughout its history, modern English is still considered a Germanic language. Now, understand that Old English was the language of the people. It evolved with the people and for the people. Because language is one of the main factors in the identification of a nation, right? So, the Anglo-Saxons are considered to be the first English-speaking people. They are regarded as the forefathers of the English people. They are the first true Englishman. So Old English was now spoken from north to south because it had evolved. Obviously there were variations in pronunciation but Old English although it had evolved and it originated from the Germanic um, languages that came with the Anglo-Saxon tribes Old English hadn't been recorded in writing yet. And the reason is that the Anglo-Saxons, they used uh, runic alphabets. And a runic alphabet is an alphabet that is um, formed um, by symbols and mainly of straight lines. Because it's easier to write on, on wood and stone. So this form of runic alphabet um, was difficult to reproduce in books. And in fact, books hadn't even reached the shores of England yet. So, at this point, Old English hadn't been recorded as a language. But everything was about to change, because due to Christianity, this reality did change. Around the 6th century, so a hundred years after the Anglo-Saxons uh, settled in England, uh, Augustine, a missionary, who was appointed by the Pope himself, uh, he was to lead a mission to Christianize the pagan Anglo-Saxons. So his mission was to go into England and Christianize the pagans the Anglo-Saxons, who were living in South Britain, which is the area now considered to be England. And guess what? Christianity grew, and it spread all over the kingdom. And since the Romans had left back in the 5th century, remember the Romans left in the 5th century? Well, since they had left, Latin hadn't been heard around the land. 
But when Christianity came back, or when Christianity came to, to, to Britain for the first time, really, Latin came back with it. And once again, it, Latin had made its way back to Britain. And uh, this was the second coming of Latin. And it became the official language spoken by the church. Now, within a century, Christians had built monasteries and churches all around the land. In a hundred years, Christianity spread and grew all over Britain. And they built monasteries and they built beautiful churches all around the land. However, Christianity had brought more than just Latin and the churches and the clergy. In fact, Christianity had brought a much more determining factor to the evolution of the English language. They had brought the Bible. They had brought books. And most importantly, they brought script. Latin script. Which fundamentally changed the future of English. It was at this point that the Anglo-Saxons adopted Latin script. So they turned from their old runic alphabet, which was difficult to reproduce in books, and they adopted Latin script, which could easily be written in, in, into books because of the rounded shapes. So for the first time, Old English was written down using Latin alphabet. And this moment was a special moment in the evolution of the English language because it was now possible to reproduce books in English. Something that had, had never been done before. And soon, a culture of scholars began to flower. A culture based in Latin and in writing. And although English was still spoken by the people and it could now be written into books, Latin was now again amongst them. Now we have to understand the importance of writing in a language. Because with writing came the possibility of recording language. So laws began to be written down. Prayers and, and books of the Bible were translated into Old English. English, Old English, had evolved into a powerful language. Mainly because of writing. Old English evolved into a powerful language and it was now capable of expressing human emotions and even allowing imaginary journeys through text and poetry. Beowulf was written at that period. You might have heard of it before. There's a movie about it and so on. It was the first great poem in the English language. Interestingly enough, since that period, English has always been a terrific language for description. And it was, at that time, already capable of great elaboration. Now, later, other great poets took advantage of that poetic language and Shakespeare being the most famous among them. I mean, who hasn't heard of Shakespeare? Even today, 
Music in English is extremely popular all around the world. And I know that one of the factors is, is you know, that music, the music industry is mainly based in English-speaking countries. However, for some people, myself included, music just sounds better in English. It sounds like it was meant to be in English because English is more adaptive, both in meaning and pronunciation. And that allows composers more creative freedom. So to recap, from the 5th century to the late 8th century, Old English had placed itself as a language capable of creating great bodies of literature. And no other language, I repeat, no other language in the Christian world could match the achievement of the Beowulf poem. Old English flourished, and it started to gain respect. But like every other chapter in the English history, all that linguistic progress was about to come to a halt, because death and violence were once again at its shores. This time, a new type of warrior more destructive and fiercer than any other that had set foot in England since the Romans had left in the 5th century. Now, remember that the Romans left in the 5th century and we are now in the late 8th century. And these new invaders, they were very keen on making Britain their new home. Can you guess who they were? They were the Vikings, the destroyers. And these Norse warriors, they rampaged Britain from north to south. At first, their sole purpose was to sack and steal the riches of the land. And to be honest, they did just that. You see, they started in a monastery in a town called Lindisfarne, to the north of England. They burned everything they could find. They burned the monastery and stole all the riches they could find. Christian symbols became nothing but a nice ornament of gold around their necks. You would think that that was it, but it wasn't. A year later, they came back and they rampaged and sacked another Christian centre, this time an abbey in a town called Jarrow. These two places were the centre of Christian scholars. This is where the books and the Gospels were kept and stored, both in English and Latin. These two places were very important for the Christian religion. But these invaders, fiercer than before, they killed all the Christian monks and burnt everything they could find to the ground, including all books. The importance of this event is very clear to us, because since the adoption of Latin script, books had just started being translated into English, and poetry and history were now recorded in text. Poetry and, and, and history in English. The Gospels were available in English. The language was flourishing because of writing, because of books. But the Viking invasion 
put a stop to all that because they burnt all the books and most of the recorded language in English and Latin as well as most Christian books and Bibles. To be honest, they did everything they could to burn everything related to Christianity and consequently everything in Old English. For most of the English people at that time, this was the end of civilization. And for 70 years, 70 years, you could say a generation, the Vikings savaged the eastern part of England and few stories survived because most of the books were burned. And also, needless to say, that very few people survived to tell the story because the Vikings came and they killed everyone they could find. This period is often referred to as the Dark Ages because there are very few historical records of that time. There were very few scientific and technological advances at that time because of all the invasions that happened in such a short period of time. And because of that Dark Age, many of the myths and legends in the English history, they originated in this period including the mythological King Arthur and the Round Table. I know that some of you think it's a real story, but it's not. It's a myth. <laughs> so at first, the Viking invaders, these Viking invaders, they, they went home with their stolen goods. So they came, they sacked everything, they killed everyone, and they went home to drink. But later, they decided to take over the land, and they had decided to stay. They landed a great army, and by this time, these Viking invaders, uh, they were being called the Danes. So we're going to refer to them as the Danes from now on. These invaders, they now controlled the eastern part of, the eastern part of South Britain, and they gradually took over the north, the southeast, and the west. So, basically, they controlled more than half of the country. Only Wessex, which is a region in the southwest of England, only Wessex stood strong against the Danes. And obviously, because of this control from the Danes, these new invaders they brought with them their old Norse language. Now, being from Scandinavia, their language was also Germanic, just like the Anglo-Saxon origins. So, in actual fact, um, both of these, Old Norse and the Anglo-Saxon dialect and languages, they added to the Germanic influence on English. See, the Norse language quickly took over the land, and Old English which took so many years to evolve into a respected language in Europe, it now faced the same fate as the Celtic languages back when the Anglo-Saxons took over the land. Remember, when the Anglo-Saxons took over the land, they slowly pushed the Celts away. And consequently, they pushed the Celtic languages away. And this is exactly what was happening to Old English. After so many years, 
trying to evolve and to, to become a respected language in Europe, it now faced the same fate. It was quickly fading and dying out. So, Old English needed a saviour. Can you guess what his name was? His name was King Alfred of Wessex. He is actually the only king in English history to be called the Great. And some historians refer to him as the saviour of England. But this statement is debatable because England would only really come to exist as a unified kingdom much, much later. King Alfred was a boundless defender of the English language. He was a vivid defender. He loved Old English and he wanted to save it. And he did all in his power to save the Old English language. He even went to war with the Danes. Now, this war was iconic. The army led by King Alfred was outnumbered and they were fighting uphill against an army of the Danes who held higher ground. The truth is that King Alfred's army slaughtered the Danes. Against all odds, King Alfred saved the Kingdom of Wessex and consequently the English language. King Alfred's contribution to the country didn't stop there. He signed a peace treaty with the Danes which established a border and which allowed them to settle in the land. They were allowed to settle to the north and to the east of the country. And that place became known as the Dane Law. So the land to the south and west would be for the English. So the country was divided in two, but communities mixed. And therefore, so did the language. Now, what's interesting about English is that rather than being engulfed by the Danes' language, Old English absorbed Old Norse. English was adaptative, and instead of replacing words, it added new words even if they had the same meaning. And many modern English words derive from that period. Now remember that English was born from a Germanic language of the Anglo-Saxons, and now it had received even a greater influence from the Germanic Old Norse. And this is, what, this is another reason for, for English to be called a Germanic language. And we still, we still have examples of, of Norse influence, which can be seen in, in people's names. For example, you, the names Harrison and Dawson, Nicholson, Robson and Gibson, and so many other names that end in son, which actually it means the son of. So this is a vivid example of the influence of Old Norse. But its influence goes much further than just names. It influenced the pronunciation and hundreds of words entered the English vocabulary. Words such as home and gate and sky and anger and knife. All of these words derive from Old Norse. 
Although Old English had resisted the Danish invasion, writing was still in ruins. Remember that the, the Vikings came and they burned all the books and they burned all recorded language and writing was essential for the progression and the development and evolution of the English language. The scholars had almost all perished or they, they, they were killed by the Danes. So education and knowledge and Christian values were all being lost. The church was weak and the country was in a deplorable state. And in sight of this ever-declining cultures of scholars and writing, once again, King Alfred came to the rescue. He mandated that Christian books were translated into, into English because it was easier to teach people how to read in their own language. But English books made it possible for common people to be taught in an extraordinary literacy plan. That's right. He created a literacy plan. The objective was to restore the English language. So he had all the important books translated into English and he made it possible for people to study not only religion, but now also philosophy and history. So from the 9th century to the early 11th century, English was once again a respected and independent language, thanks to King Alfred. English once again overcame the arduous battles and stood firm. It overcame the Vikings. It evolved and it absorbed invading languages. English was now stronger than ever. However, like in any other chapter of the history, this progression of the English language was about to be brought to a halt once again. And it would face the most defying and greatest battle ever. And I know you might be thinking, what could be greater, more defying, more challenging than a Viking invasion? Well, the answer to that is a Norman invasion. Because English would be pushed aside and neglected for 300 years. But that's a story for the next episode when we go over the Norman invasion that took place in the 11th century. Now, notice that I've mentioned the 11th century many, many times during this episode because it was a changing point in the history of the English language. So stay tuned because this part of the history will mention the town of Hastings where our students visit every year in our cultural immersion course to discover England and the English. So some say that the Battle of 1066 in Hastings was the beginning of England as a unified country, which for 300 years wouldn't have a king who spoke English. So stay tuned. <laughs>